0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the Living With Power Hope Podcast. My name is Lena Ebujemura and I'm your host. It is uh, great to have you back with us if you've been here before, and if you're new, welcome. We're glad that you checked in with us. This is a place where we share biblical truth for everyday life. Our hope is that you grow in the knowledge of God and that you continue to stand strong in a world that is shaken. And so this summer we are running a teaching series that I've put together called The Unshaken Series. It is an awesome teaching series and Uh, One of the most popular teachings that I've done, it uh, focuses each week on a different Bible character, a man or woman that has stood strong in faith, no matter the difficult circumstances they were in. I know that you're going to find hope and healing with each of the weeks that we'll cover a different episode. And so uh, if you want to know more about our ministry, check out livingwithpower.org. And by the way, when you land on our page, check out our speaking page. And if you are looking for a person to come and teach uh, or lead a conference at your church or uh, group gathering, then please reach out. We'd love to meet you in person. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and listen to today's teaching in the Unshaken series. All right, guys, today uh, we are in lesson 20 already in a series called unshaken strong in faith no matter what and we are in job 23 and i've sort of made my way through you know sort of the genesis and sort of moved through the books of the bible and i think next uh, lesson we'll do will be in lamentations which uh, written by jeremiah that's going to be a fun teaching but today we're going to look at job which is thought to be the one of the oldest books of the bible even though it's it's listed there with the uh, psalms and proverbs it's one of the uh, books in that category but but it's considered Really, Job is considered to be one of the earliest people who lived chronologically in scripture. And so uh, he's an interesting man. In fact, I don't think we can get to Job 23 without sort of uh, meandering our way through Job chapter one and making a couple of of observations about who this man was. He was a godly man. We know that about him from the beginning. And um, just to tell you where we're going to be landing with the title of this message, I've called it When I'm Alone in My Pain. And we're going to see a man who literally goes through an, the hardest thing things anyone could go through, and he really gets to a place where he feels so lonely. Uh, I know many of you uh, sort of watch the news and, and, and look at social media and read articles, and it is not a surprise right now to many of you to hear that loneliness is an epidemic in our country, really in the world. And it is a fascinating phenomenon because we, on one hand, recognize this 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 medium, you know this internet this social media medium where everyone is so connected like 24/7 you can reach people you can you know like people in the middle of the night and they know you're up like there's just a lot that you know about people and yet never before have people felt more disconnected which is probably one of the reasons why it's fed into the highest rates of anxiety and depression ever in 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 our country for sure and in the world and so it is a riveting uh, thing and I think um, I think when we're going through trials is another season in life so there's a lot of reasons that contribute to feeling a Alone. And certainly when we're hurting, when we're in pain, is a, is a time in life when we might feel very alone. In fact, I jotted this. This isn't part of this is not part of the outline, it's just an observation I wrote. There is a pain where others can help, and there is a pain where only God will do. And interestingly, about Job 23, where we're where we're gonna land, he's in a season and a place in his life where uh, only God will do. And, and sometimes the challenge in those seasons is that even though you intuitively know that, that if God would just show up, everything would be okay. Now, that's what we're going to look at today. Um, it is sometimes hard to see, to feel, to recognize the presence of God in some of those hardest periods of our life. And we're going to see in a minute, just because we don't feel him, and there doesn't mean that he's not there. So we'll get to that. But let me sort of tell you a little bit about Job. So Job was a godly man. We're told in Job chapter one, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. So right off the bat, God's word sets the stage that this is a godly man, a man who lived obediently to God, um, and we're going to get to see even more about his relationship with God. God favored Job intensely, and um, he had. we're told there were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep sheep, no, sorry, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east, okay? you learn a lot in a few verses in scripture. His sons used to go, so even though he was godly, and by the way, there's this pattern in scripture. Often, um, just yesterday, I taught a session for my church, 180 Chicago. By the way, if you're single, you might want to go to 180 Chicago. Uh, Many of the people from my church come and watch this, but you might want to go to 180 uh, Chicago church and on Facebook and catch that message to singles that I did yesterday. We talked about Samuel, and you'll see Job in a minute. His sons and daughters were not living for God. Yesterday, we saw Samuel saying his sons were not living for God. There are many uh, godly men and women in Bible whose kids, even though they were godly people, their kids were not. And so this was one of the the dilemmas in Job's life. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. They were just having a good time in life. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job, the godly man, would send and consecrate them and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So he was burdened to a certain degree about his kids and how they lived and And he strove to honor God in his life. And so we're told in verse 6, Job 1, again, just leading up in a minute to where we're going. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Now, this is a fascinating study in how uh, trials and temptations come into our life. So the Lord and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, uh, okay, I'm sorry, let me back up. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there's none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land, but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. Satan was saying, Job only worships you because of what you do for him. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And indeed, it says, now there is a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burnt up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. If you ever had a bad day, this is like, it's only going to get worse. And so, and so in verse 17, while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And look, as if this is not bad enough, while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. I know some of you have had a week this week, and Sunday rolls into Monday, into Tuesday, into Wednesday, and by Thursday, today, you're like, can anything worse still happen in this week? Why you find good company in the the man Job here? And so he said, what did he do? Job, this godly man, God was so confident in Job's faith that he gave a green light to Satan to say, man, he worships me, not because of what I do for him, but because of our relationship. And, and Job, he doesn't miss a beat. It's just, and Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Again, okay, this is immensely already, you, you, I've taught on this chapter. I mean, you could spend literally a month teaching on this chapter. It's so, so many truths there, but, but let's carry the story a little bit further. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro from the earth, on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Again, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. By the way, a little comment here for many of you who hold to this idea that God does not cause harm. I mean, this is what the word says here. Although you incited me, God is saying to say, you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. All, everything that happens on the face of this earth is under the sovereign control of God, the good and the bad. I know that's difficult to understand and to accept sometimes, but but also there's such hope in that because God is the one who's in control of everything that happens to us. Verse four of chapter two, then Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, again, a green light, behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery so that Job is hurting so badly, he takes a piece of pottery to scrape himself while he sat in ashes. And his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this... Job did not sin with his lips. And then the three friends show up. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, that had come upon him they came, each from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and to comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, it says they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days And seven nights, no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was great. Now, we move from Job chapter 2 into Job chapter 3, and we make our way to Job 24. And in those chapters, those three friends who came to offer him comfort, offered him everything but comfort. In the chapter leading up to chapter 23, one of the men, I think it's Eliphaz, finishes a discourse where he basically sums up the problems in Job's life. And he says, Job, the reason you are suffering is because you have sinned against God. Confess your sin, repent, and God will bring his favor on your life again. And Job knew his own life. He knew who he was and he struggled with it. And you'll see this back and forth discourse between the friends sort of sort of self-righteously accusing Job, and teaching him, and shoving things down his faith, and Job kind of going like, like I, I'm just, I don't understand what's happening in my life. A reminder, again, by the time we get to Job 23, that there is a pain, where others can help, but there is also a pain where only God will do And So we pick up now in Job 23, and Job is in that place. And by now, and looked up an old outline that I had on chapter one and two, and I sort of had come up with some some ideas there on, on what we just read. Just because you're living for God does not mean that Satan won't touch you. Now, God is the one who allows Satan, everything that happens in your life is under the control of God. But but just because you're godly doesn't mean you're going to escape suffering, right? Suffering happens to good and bad people. And God is the one who allows those things to happen in our life. Now, uh, just because you responded in obedience to trials once doesn't mean things won't get worse. And we see this pattern in Job's life where he's faithful, he obeys, he says, naked I came, naked I returned. And yet after that, there's still more trials coming his way. And then just because it looks and feels as if God is not there right now does not mean that he's not. And I'm going to dive now into this idea of just because we don't see and feel God doesn't mean that he's not there. Many of us who are going through trials right now might have this struggle where we think, man, man, I, where are you, God? And when we're talking about standing unshaken, when we're alone in our pain, that is the most difficult thing to come to terms with sometimes. Not so much that we're hurting, but that sometimes in the midst of our pain, it's hard to see God's hand. And so we come to Job 23 and Job has had it. He's up to here. And we're only halfway through the book, by the way. And Job answers Eliphaz, and this is what he says, today also, and this is a man, by the way, who has been found faithful in the way that he's responded to trials. He was godly to begin with and righteous, and now he's pressed, and he's alone, and he's in pain. And you and I know that when we're in pain, sometimes it's easy to come to wrong conclusions, but other times it's also easy to to feel this weight of lament and despair. And this is where we pick up the story of Job in Job 23. He's alone in his pain, and he says this, Today also my complaint is bitter. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. And now, and by the way, if you've not read Job 23 before, I, I'm so happy to introduce you to it because these these verses that I'm gonna read to you now can be life-changing for some of you. They're some of the most encouraging verses in scripture, a reminder that, that God is not afraid of our feelings. God is not mad at us. He puts these verses in scripture for us, this is the oldest book in scripture thought to be. And he puts them there for us to see how people respond to pain. And, and he allows this to unfold. And we're going to see where we're going with this in a minute. So Job says, oh, that I knew where I might find him. Talking about God. That I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. There an upright man could argue with him and I would be acquitted forever by my judge. And then he says this, behold, I go forward, but he's not there and backwards, but I do not perceive him. On the left when he's working, I do not behold him. He he turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. And then verse 10, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. But he's unchangeable and who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does for he will complete that which he appoints for me. And many such things are in his mind. Therefore, I am terrified at his presence when I consider I am in dread of him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silenced because of the darkness, nor because thick darkness covers my face. Job is alone in his pain. And I want to give you three sort of teaching points as we look at these verses. Number one, when you're alone and in pain, you can be confident that you have a God who is near you and willing to hear you. What I love about the book of Job and the conversation that happens between his friends who are wrong, and we find out at the end of the book that in fact the friends accusing Job were wrong. They did not come to encourage him and sympathize with him. They were putting weight upon weight on him. They were discouraging him. His wife had already turned her back on God. His kids and family were dead. And so he's alone. He's utterly in the worst place of his life. And he is confident still. And he starts off by saying, look, if I had an audience before God, he says, would he would he ignore me? He goes, no, he would contend.'" When he would listen to me, and he's so confident, even in his darkest hour, that this is a God who is just and who sees the truth and who knows that Job is not a man who has sinned to bring this trial on his life, that he's a man who has, has become, a, a, in some ways, a victim to Satan's attack. But, but, that, but in, the, in the middle of it, God is not intimidated by the pain of Job, and God is not angered by his pain. In fact, at the end of Job, when you make your way to the end of the book, and you come to, to chapter uh, 38, where, Job, where the Lord finally shows up, 38 chapters into the book, you'll see as you read 38, 39, 40, and 41, going into the end of the book, that God was not mad at Job. God was mad at Job's friends. And it is his friends that are the ones who, who, who accused him wrongfully. And God, in fact, holds his favor on the friends until Job forgives the friends. And so we see a God who indeed knows his kids, is not angered by the pain, is not intimidated by our pain, and who pays close attention to us in our pain. I remember years ago, the first time I came across Job 23, just feeling the freedom of that sentence in verse six, where Job asked, would God contend with me in the greatness of his power? And then that sentence, no, he would pay attention to me. And there's a sense even now, some of you who are walking through lonely seasons, maybe through trials that, that people tell you they understand, but but in your soul, you don't think anybody understands. And honestly, every human goes through different trials. It can be the same story, but, but you'll feel it differently. And what you bring to the table, you, no one can fully understand the pain that you're going through. And in it, you have a God who you can be confident is willing to hear you, who is near to the brokenhearted. All your friends, all your family might look at you and assume certain things about you, but you can be confident that there is a God who would pay attention to you. Our struggle is that often we can't see and feel. And so that brings me to the second big point tonight, which is this, when you're alone and in pain, you can be confident that God's hand will still guide you. So even though Job doesn't see God, he has the sense that God is before him and behind him and on his left and on his right. And he says, even I don't see you, he's it's like it's almost like this maze, and God is just taking you in through this place. And there are moments in when I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, because every one of us at some point in life have felt that weight of that, that you you see God's hand sort of pushing you. And sometimes you'll do it through the enemy pressing on you, other times he'll do it through open doors and circumstances, and other times you'll do it through a blessing or somebody just sending you the right word in the right time, or you'll hear a song or a verse or something that will happen in your life where you can say with Job like verse 10, but he knows the way that I take. And for a second, you think when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. And, and this reminder, even in that verse, probably the highlight, the peak of the chapter, he knows the way that I take is the idea that I don't have to see God as long as he sees me and you can be confident today if you're walking through a trial and through a darkness and you feel alone in your pain and you don't feel that you see God listen it matters less that you see God and it matters more that his eyes are still on you and so God always works out his purposes in your pain this is a theme so far we've seen in scripture. You can go back through Genesis on and you can see the, the pain of waiting. You can see the pain of loss. You can see the pain. I think about David losing, you know, his sons and, and the tragedies as he's going through through the pain, even of our sinfulness. Sometimes Job wasn't guilty of sin, but, but even in examples of people who have landed in their own trials because of their sins, you see that God has a purpose in our pain. You know, I love that about the Word of God is that throughout the Word of God, it it is a story of redemption through pain. I mean, thinking even next time we meet, we're going to be talking about Lamentations, and I mean, he was called the weeping prophet. This is the story of humankind: is that we hurt is that because of the sin of Adam and Eve, that is the first lesson you can go back on the YouTube page. You can go back in our, in our lessons here and catch that first teaching that we did, that early two or three teaching and see the fall of Adam and Eve and how sin came into the world. And because of sin, Satan is for a season unleashed, even though Christ has defeated him on the cross. There's a season now where we see darkness and pain and we're seeing it at such high rates right now. And yet in it, The story of of the word of God, of the Bible, is that there's a God who works out his purposes through our pain. So God always has an end in mind for our pain. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. It is not an open-ended time of pain. There's a season of pain. Satan came to God, and they had a a talk, and and God allowed a certain amount of pain to happen, and then there was another season of pain, and then and I, I've been this week meditating on Ecclesiastes chapter three and the story of Ecclesiastes is, is, is a story of like man, vanity of vanities, all is vanity and everything, where there's nothing new on there to start. And then you get to chapter three of Ecclesiastes and we're reminded again of seasons. There's a time to mourn and a time to laugh. There's a time to sow and a time to reap and and, and on and on. And you see this, that there are seasons right now. We're in the fall and, and, and the seasons that God has given us in life are such... A reminder that he is a God who works in seasons. He knows the way that I take. When He has stride me, then a season of gold. And Job is so confident in a God who will hear him, who is near him, a God who still guides him, who knows the way through his pain. And then finally, when you're alone and in pain, you can be confident that God's word will be your strength. Even in the midst of this achingly lonely place, Job declares in verse 12, I have not departed from the commandment of your lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Job has one thing he's hanging on to, and it is God's promises. And so he goes on, he says, he is unchangeable. Who can turn back what he desires that he does for? He will complete what he appoints for me. And many such things are in his mind. And even as I read this this week, the first thing that came to my mind is my own life verse, Philippians 1, 6, which is we are being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And Job is standing firm in this confidence. He's unshaken, even when he's alone in his pain, because his friends have not offered the sympathy that his heart needed. His wife, God help us. I don't even know what happened to her. And, 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 and she's turned her back from God. And he's hurting physically. He's hurting emotionally. He's mourning the loss of everything, of his kids, of everything he owns. I mean, I mean, this guy is as low as it comes. And he says, I stand strong on the knowledge that God is a God who began a good work in me and will perform it on, until the day of Christ. And the word of God is his delight. Even in a season when he can't see God clearly. I thought of other verses besides Philippians 1, 6. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 138, verse 8, where God's word says that God perfects that which concerns us. I was looking even before I, I, I logged on and I was thinking about other assurances of God and, and, and his purposes for us. Isaiah chapter 46 He says in verses 11, God speaks. He says, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Over and over again in God's word is the reassurance that what he started in us, he will complete. That nothing and no one, no one, not even Satan can stand against the purposes of God in your life. And Job in this moment of despair hangs on to the things that he knows about who God is. He's a God who would give him audience. He is a God who is working when he can't see it. And he's a God whose word is so true that when everything else fails he can hang on to it he gives testimony to the fact that there is a treasure greater than my own personal comfort and there is a treasure more satisfying to me than food and there is a treasure that restores my perspective in my pain and that treasure is housed it's, it's put into the word of god that we have we now in new testament believers we have it in our hands It amazes me that we're not in God's word more, that we're not appropriating it more. God's promises are there for us to stand on. If you're wondering, man, how do I find God when I'm alone in my pain? You rest in the promises of scripture that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Three or four devotionals today that I turned to had the same reminder that do not worry uh, what you will eat and what you will wear and what you will put on. And Our Father knows that we have need of these things are you standing on the rock who is Christ and his promises in the word of God? So how does the story of Job turn out? Well, I uh, hinted to it, but in chapter 38, after the friends continue to berate Job and give a thesis of what they thought he did wrong, Father God, our Lord, shows up and says to Job, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, I will question you. And he goes on and and, and, and tells Job and his friends who he is. And it is so awe-inspiring that he finally gets to uh, uh, if, if chapter 40. He says, The Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. And there's a place when Job stops talking. And... Uh, and uh, God goes on and says a little bit more. And then, and then Job at the end says, I know in chapter 42, verse two, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Just because you think that you know God does not mean that you really do. And often God allows those seasons in our life where we get to the place where nothing else will do but God to show us who he is and to bring us into a deeper knowledge of who he is. And the outcome of that is not one of separation from God, but one of deeper intimacy with God. God wasn't mad at Job. God Uh, answers in verse 7 of 42. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, my anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now therefore take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves and my servant Job shall pray for you for all, accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. And a reminder here of the importance and, and the necessity of forgiveness, even when people treat you wrongly, even when they may even mean it for good, but the words come out of your mouth in a way that is hurtful to you. And and this weight of, of forgiveness that must be given for freedom to take place. And so and God goes on and says, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the nemanite went and did what the Lord had told them And the Lord, and look at this, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer to forgive them. And verse 10, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. Listen, there's power in forgiveness. There's power in recognizing who God is and in doing what God wants us to do, whether we understand it or not. Uh, The same mercy that has been afforded to us by God is what we give others, even in our pain. And so the season of pain ended for Job and the beauty of Um, His story, of course, is that even in the land of the living, he saw good. Uh, Psalm 27, verse 13 says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait. uh, 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 I know I can't think of that verse. Let me just go there. Uh, Wait, I say on the Lord. Be of good courage. Wait, I say on the Lord. Something like that. But let me just read it for you in Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14. You ever just say a verse all the time, and then you can't think of it when you need it. He says, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. And you say the end of the story of Job, and we'll take some questions after this. He says, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job, Then came, to, uh, and, 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 and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before. It's funny how people flock back when things are going well in your life, but now the lesson's already had. He knows his God, and it says, and they ate bread with him in his house, and they showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Challenging words here. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold, and the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He had also seven sons and three daughters, and he called the name of the first daughter Jemima, and the name of the second Keziah, and name of the third, Karen Hapuk. And in all the land, there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, four generations, and Job died an old man and full of days. Sometimes it feels when you're alone and in your pain that the best days of your life are behind you. Faith looks at the Lord looks at your circumstances through the veil of who God is and sees that the best days are yet to come because we serve a God who is good, a God who is faithful, and a God who sets the seasons of our lives and appoints that which concerns us. Won't you trust that God today? If you're feeling like Job, that you're alone in your pain, remember that you can be confident that you have a God who is near you and who is willing to hear you. You can be confident that God's hand will still guide you, is still guiding you. It has a purpose to bring you out as gold when you're alone and in pain, you can be confident that God's word is your strength. Let's stand on his word, let's embrace those things that we know about God and let's in a moment here move into a time of prayer.